All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's a PGA podcast. It's Tuesday, June 16th. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is Chris Durrell. How's it going today, buddy? Oh, it's good, man. Back talking golf again. I, you know, I didn't think I, in, in the old what was going to happen during the pandemic. I became insanely obsessed with golf. I did not see that one coming down as easily <laughs> as it's come. But I'm like, I'm kind of all in now. After last week's podcast, great. Thank you all, everyone, for listening. By the way, last week we had really great download numbers on the podcast. Really great traffic on the site for Chris's article. Um, so feeling very. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe it was because this new projection system we're kind of tinkering around with was absolutely awesome last week. Um, Yes. Maybe that's why I feel buoyed, but um, I know you're constantly in it. So, do, but do you feel like this sort of like extra layer of, oh man, I'm going to make a word pumped up in this because it's just sort of like the golf's the only game in town right now? That's a little bit of it, 100%. Um, you know, there's not a whole bunch out there. I was doing outlaw golf before, which I did enjoy. I learned quite a bit. It was just a lot of work putting stuff in because there isn't near as much stats. And as a stat head myself, um, I love the PGA because there's just so many things to look at. That's one thing that really got me going here, even from last week to this week, was just I want more data, more things to look at. So I put together a few other sheets for, you know, for members and stuff for us to talk about. It, it, for me personally, it was a pretty terrible week in terms of my, my lineups. Hmm. Um, I was right about some things. I was just dead wrong about other things. Um, my core players, which when I build lineups, I only play GPP. I wish I would have jumped in cash, but I told myself I wasn't going to. So for GPP, I just kind of put together a core of, you know, at the top end, like four or five players, and I kind of build lineups around them. I pretty much picked every single wrong player in that top tier. <laughs> Things just uh, didn't quite go my way. Um, but I'm ready to move on to next week with some of this data, and I am going to play cash games this week, and I know we're going to talk about that a little bit because it's the system that we've kind of been working on more. I'm going to put more of that on you because you've been doing the back-end stuff is definitely geared towards cash. And like you said, tell me a little bit more about how it did. I know it won, but uh, what are some of the details that you – that you found yeah so interesting so a couple things just as a re just as a quick recap sort of of last week from a dfs perspective webb simpson was heavy chalk uh that made a lot of sense uh, we actually narrowly avoided him i can probably explain why it's probably just a, that was actually just like a decimal case more than anything else right it wasn't because he yeah. wasn't a good golfer it was just because sometimes you get it down to the thousands place in a projection and that's just kind of where it lands uh he was chalk john rom was chalk also misses the cut and harris english was also chalk uh and missed the cut so there's actually three huge guys who totally missed cuts, and that was a cash disaster. If you and most people had them, we just kind of narrowly missed it, and that was just because I wasn't paying too much attention to ownership, projected ownerships. I knew Webb Simpson was going to be heavily owned, and I knew English. We actually had Harris English, um, and I knew he was going to be heavily owned. Rom, I wasn't as sure about. We actually, and I was actually to the point where I was actually really surprised when I looked at ownership percentage because the guy that we our system was very all in on was just, um, Justin Rose, and yeah. to the point where when I looked at his cash ownership. It was like three percent. I actually went over. I was like, "Did he get scratched?" <laughs> because I, yeah. I was, I had like a mini panic moment because it was so so low, which kind of shocked me based on just his overall historical performance. And not to get too nitty gritty here, but um, that actually ended up being sort of the difference, right? Because he almost wins, and really nobody played him. So when you kind of when you back out Simpson and Rom, and throw in, uh, you throw in Justin Rose. And even had Roy McIlroy at a heavy number, yep. and even though he was absolutely terrible on Sunday, it was I actually what I texted you, I was like, "What did he just get bombed last night? <laughs> like, yeah. What happened to this guy? What happened to this guy Got Saturday drunk, night?" Over. <laughs> I, 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 there was no other explanation. He was so terrible. Anyway, so long story short is our system's looking more at just uh, as big a sample relevant si sample size as possible, looking to reduce friction around standard deviation, which means that if you're and we're going to talk about this with some specific guys today, reducing some um, highs and lows when it comes to the standard deviation, just like are you pretty consistent over the course of your you know last two and a half, three years plus. Uh, that's that's kind of what we're looking at. It ended up being with some guys that just weren't really all that popular, right? Like it was Justin Rose specifically, and I had Rory. Uh, I'm trying to think. Actually, I'm, I'm doing a bad job now because I can't think of it. Tony Finau was another guy that was in there um, as very consistent. So long story short, good opening week. Still kind of fiddling with some of our algorithm stuff just to make sure that's on point before we kind of put it out there to the masses. Though if you want to sign up for DFSR.com slash deals, you can go over there. You can still sign up and get access to uh, the chat room where I'm kind of posting lineups and some thought process that we're going to go through as well today. So that's kind of the long story short in the system. It was overall, I had a good week. It was just kind of fun to watch. We had get some back bets. back in the swing of things. 
Yeah, buddy. He's had some bets going in. Had no some pun nice, intended. Real, yeah, nice. Had some real sweats going in with some bets, like Rose and yeah. Morikawa going into Sunday. But anyway, anyway, let's move on. This is this week. Speaking is of, new- before you move on, before yeah. you move on, you mentioned Rose. And one thing with the system that you pointed out that I think is very important is looking at, um, you said, looking at more of a, a longer sample size of consistency um, and stuff like that. And that's, I think, where you, I think that's where the system really grabbed a hold of Rose because before the break, he had missed cuts in three or four events and a T56 in the other, and things weren't looking good at all for him. Um, but before that, uh, going back into the late 2019 into the end of last year, he was very consistent. Um, so that longer sample size probably really helped push him in there with his price. And then he came out before the break. He lost 5.6 strokes putting at the Arnold Palmer. First event back, Charles Schwab last week, finished with a T3. He gained 5.4 strokes putting. So he got the putter back. That was one of the biggest things, but he gained like 6.4 strokes T to green. So that was huge. Um, I just wanted to mention that from a more from a longer sample size, and that's kind of where the system really fit him in versus that shorter sample size where I think that's maybe why a lot of people faded him. That's why I personally faded him is just because of the form before the break. That necessarily wasn't the correct way to look at it for some players. It was a very different week. So, yeah, I agree. Let's move on to this week. What do you got? Well, actually, one more thing about that because I don't know if people care about this, but I, I think it's really um, important for golf is that it, you can. It's so easy to get sucked into short-term stuff that that's just sports in general. Yeah. So it's not a golf thing, right? It's just a sports in general is that way. But we did talk about guys like Dustin Johnson and uh, Jason Day last week that we were willing to take the, the short sample size disasters that they'd been and say, hey, there was the reason tied to it, right? There's injury stuff, there's surgery stuff, there's stuff going on here. So it's not just it's not just sample size always wins, it's sample size plus right. context. So I just want to make that point. We're yeah. not going to go back through the Dustin Johnson, um, Jason Day thing. If you want that, our opinions there, my opinions are unchanged from last week, so go back and listen to last week's podcast. Um, for Okay, great. Yeah, we just talk, we talk at length about why um, their sample sizes kind of don't count the same in our eyes. All right, walk me through yep. RBC, RBC Heritage this week. Another packed field uh, to be expected. Not always been the case here, but um, but because just sort of the way the PGA is, has taken so much time off, it makes sense that these are now awesomely packed fields. Walk us through yeah. a little bit with RBC, what to expect. Then we're going to spend a, we'll spend more time this week just talking specifically about some of the value players we see. Yeah, so once again we get uh, all the five, all the top five players in the world. We get eight of the top ten. So yeah, another absolutely packed field here, just because of the return um, to golf. Everyone wants to get in and play as much as possible. Who knows when it's going to get shut down again with the way things are going? But uh, yeah, so we're at another. It's a very it's a similar course in that um, it's not a bombers course. It's going to be like a I don't want to say a plotters course, but kind of like a. Um, Wiley put it best on his on his Twitter account last night, I believe it was, for his rolling notes, was it's point A to point B. Um, you're really just going, hitting the ball, trying to stay out of trouble. There's water in play on every single hole. There is, I'm just going to go to my course notes now, it's Harbortown Golf Links, par 71. Last week was a par 70, so it's a little bit shorter, just under 7,100 yards. We're on to Bermuda Greens this week. Um, the greens are even smaller. We talked about this last week. It was about 5,500 square foot greens. We called those small. This week, they're about 3,700 square feet, so even smaller. Some of the smallest on tour. Uh, 54 bunkers, 17 water hazards. Like I said, there waters in play, whether it be a creek or a larger water hazard on every single hole. Difficulty rankings at this course have been pretty high over the years. Last five years, you're looking at 10th. 19th, 29th, 8th, and 26th. A lot of that, again, um, a little bit to do with the wind. I think, just like I said last week, I think it's going to play overall on average a little bit easier just because of the um, the strength of the field. This time around, we've got a lot more, you know, higher-ranked golfers in the world. But for the most point, I'm looking for a golfer. Uh, Kutcher fits, fits this mold a lot. Uh, Ian Poulter in there as well. Guys that maybe don't necessarily bomb the ball but they know how to place the ball and keep the ball in position the rough isn't very penal this week so we're not going to have to worry about you know exactly driving accuracy more placement than accuracy for that but the thing that really stood out for me when running the statistics was strokes gained approach is huge Um, almost double as important as off the tee just because obviously the greens are very small and when you're not making when you're not hitting the greens in regulation you're going to obviously have to, uh, the strokes gain around the green, you're going to have to scramble quite a bit. So that's definitely baked into my model this week. Uh, strokes gained approach, strokes gain around the green, and then some putting on Bermuda as well. This is kind of what I got baked in this week into my model. Yeah, I think, I think from a modeling perspective, for my purposes too, who's kind of still coming at this new in terms of just the, the, 
little sort of subtle differences or sometimes major differences between courses. It's nice to kind of get our feet wet with a couple courses that are pretty straightforward, I think. I think that helps mm -hmm. um, iron out some of the problems. Let's get to some of the DFS and just betting values that we see this week. I think there's some obvious <clears throat> ones. And I think the elephant in the room, I'm not even sure it's an elephant, is pricing. The DraftKings, DraftKings pricing is an absolute joke. I, I don't even know. It doesn't take uh, even someone relatively new to PGA. Can, it, it can just see that the the pricing on DraftKings has been weirdly overcorrected. And it. I actually think there's going to be even more chalk this week than last week. I, I, tell me I'm wrong here, but I mean, when you, what was your what was your kind of thought process when you looked at some of the prices and some of these guys on DraftKings? I, I'm using the word joke. Um, maybe that's not the right word, but I, inc soft maybe is the better word. I, they, Insane. I don't. There's okay. a lot of words, man. <laughs> All right. So walk me through. Okay. So you have the same opinion. Good. Okay. So let's we're, we're on the same page to start. Let's just walk through some of the guys. Who are some of the guys that you see as just? I mean, it's just all of them. I can I can rattle off five guys here that the prices just seem flat out wrong. I, I don't even know the, another way to put it. But yeah, let's go through some of these guys that we're seeing maybe as just possibly being kind of chalk plays based on some of these prices. Because I see some that just really are just kind of like hitting me like a frying pan in the face with some of these prices. Yeah, Daniel Berger jumps yeah. off the page first. I mean, yeah, he won last week. That was great. Beat an, beat an elite field, but a jump of $1,200 on DraftKings, 900 on FanDuel, and now he's more expensive than Brooks Kopka, Jordan Spieth, Patrick Reed, Dustin Johnson, Gary Woodland, Matt Kutcher, Tony Finau, Ricky Fowler. I could go on and on. It just does not seem right. In no world did I think that Daniel Berger would be more expensive than those guys. I get why Dustin Johnson goes down. He, we talked about his injury stuff last week. He wasn't great with the putter. Um, you know, looking at his numbers, it wasn't great. So I understand that. Brooks was not that bad last week. Like, his approach game was awful. He lost five strokes there. His putter was awesome. He was excellent around the green, gained almost three strokes. Off the tee, he gained 1.3 strokes. So it was just the approach game. I... That was the most strokes he had lost uh, in a tournament since the Tour Championship in 2018. Um, that is the second, third most since the Tournament of Champions in 2018. So only twice in the last two and a half years has Brooks lost that many strokes on approach. I don't see that happening again. He's a huge value at 8,600. That just seems ridiculous to me. Any, anyone else that I didn't mention that stands out to you? I mean, Webb Simpson at 9,000. I get that he didn't make the cut last yeah. week, but this guy's one of the very best golfers and most consistent golfers in the game. Look, you're going to miss cuts. It just does happen, right? Like, it, the, the, mm -hmm. there's just no way it's going to happen less for some guys than others. But right now, we have Webb Simpson as the fourth highest projected cash value, just cash overall guy on the slate. And yep. he's at 9,000. I'm sort of hoping that people. And most, I think, smart people won't be won't be swayed by this unless they saw something that you know, like I said, like an injury or something like that. But short of that, uh, which I don't, there's no been no report of, so I'm not worried about it. Short of that, you absolutely, if you played Webb Simpson last week, last week's miscut should not, and the price drop should not do anything no. to dissuade you. They actually should make you more encouraged because you're going to hope that fewer people play him than la they did last week because that the nine thousand price tag is. If you just there's just no, there's no explanation for it. I, I, it's actually weird because if, I, I was actually trying to do like figure, I guess it was just that he missed the cut, but that doesn't make sense for all these guys because some guys like Justin Rose's price barely went up at all, ninety two hundred, and he's another one that's just and he an, almost won. He almost won, so I actually think he'll say. I think what we'll see is a correction. We'll see fewer less ownership on Webb Simpson, which will be incorrect. A higher ownership on Justin Rose, which I do think will be correct. Um, and I just think, because right now the only, and it's funny about, it, and the only reason I'm not crazy about all these guys is that you can make a lineup right now with Rose Simpson, Kapka, Finau, and then kind of like take another 88 cap, uh, you know, take another 8,000 guy, like maybe like Ricky Fowler, maybe like Kucher, you know, maybe like Gary Woodland, like this will all kind of fit for you. And then you just maybe take yeah. one sort of cheap, consistent guy and we have a couple ideas there, right? Am I wrong here? Are we just going to see? Huh. I, I I just don't. I saw someone even post this on Twitter, so I don't think even think this isn't a secret. It can't be a secret. Are we just going to see massive chalk at least on? In the mid I'm going to put I'm going to put Rose and Simpson and Finau as like probably very very chalky guys, right? Am I wrong? Like you've been play this more than others. Maybe Finau, not, but he was pretty high owned in GBP last week. It was decent, made the cut. You know, it didn't kill you. Well, what are your thoughts here? Are we going to see even chalkier stuff than we saw last week, which I thought was already incredible chalk? 
Uh, yeah, I don't. I like I said, I didn't play cash last week, so I'm not sure exactly what Webb Simpson's ownership was there. But it was like it was sixty plus owned. percent. It was something like Holy. sixty plus percent, and Rom was something like fifty five. I'm I'm kind of off the top of my head here. I don't in front of me, but it was something like that. And looking at GPP ownership, even Webb Simpson was twenty five percent and led the field last week. I don't see that changing. Maybe even going up in GPP. I don't think it's going to go up much more in cash. Um, but I agree with you one hundred percent. But I think the chalk the chalk cash build, even some. GPP builds is going to be balanced this week and Rose Simpson Kutcher like if you put those three together you're still got an awesome average salary left over you can go up to Rory and down to the 6k range if you want like that's just insane that you can build a lineup like that it I the chalk definitely is going to be in a balanced build this week just because of that pricing and they make it easy on you because you say okay well you have these elite golfers you know these are a lot of these guys we just mentioned are just top 10 overall golfers Okay, then and by the, and on DraftKings you can kind of start eliminating some guys at the top end because even though they're good, um, you just don't need to do it. So you take, you're like Justin Thomas, he's great. Um, do I is this a week I need to pay ten nine for him? Definitely not. Rory, he's great even though Sunday aside, eleven three. I just don't even need to do it. These these decisions are easy. Like Shoffley, Marikawa, they're fine. I know they were really good last week. Do you need to spend ten thousand plus for any of these guys? No. So I think the decisions become even easier based on the guys who are more expensive. Does that make sense? I like, got even, I mean, Bryson, Yes. by the way, I, I'm not convinced that all Bryson DeChambeau's uh, weight was, was muscle. I don't know if you saw, you saw him. He was, he was, <laughs> are we, am I right? I like, he was, he was enormous <laughs> last yeah. week. Uh, I don't He's know. jacked. Is he jacked? I kind of like, I, I mean, that I, I, I have some Looks muscles, like but it. I, it's, they're sometimes hiding under a little bit of fat, you know, <laughs> like I just, like, I just, uh, I, I don't know. He just, he kind of looks just bigger. You to need me. to go check out Graham Dillette. Um, he's a Canadian golfer. He actually lives about an hour, or his hometown's about an hour and a half where I live. He he's on Twitter and he's pretty hilarious. He tweeted a picture yesterday and he put uh, he at Bryson DeChambeau and it says working on my uh, return to the tour because he's had he's been out with like back surgeries and stuff like that. So it's right. a picture of his head and it's cropped onto like a World Ironman Challenge guy and he's like holding his muscles up it is absolutely hilarious (laughs) so anyway you have these i think you know somewhat easy decisions about guys you don't need to play at the top end and then at you know in that mid-range i'm going to call this mid-range nine thousand and below ish you know this nine to eight thousand i know that's not technically it but there are some guys like in the seven thousand range ish that i think we can just basically not even have to worry about but you agree with me right that this I mean, maybe we could just put a button on it and just talk about some of these other guys, but I just don't, I don't know if this is trying to invite more casual players in by the pricing. I don't know if it was just simply a mistake so. because they, because they've, there's been so long without a <clears throat> tournament and they just didn't factor that in correctly. I, I just don't, I, I was sort of just flabbergasted when I saw how the lineups were starting to build. Yeah. And I think they did it. I don't, I don't think it's 100% one thing or the other. I think it's partly a mistake. Maybe they overcorrected to try and get a lot of new people to come into PGA because they're doing these Millie Makers. They want to, you know, there's no baseball, there's no basketball, there's no NHL, um, NFL's still a few months away. Um, I think that's part of it. I think part of it is a mistake in how much they did adjust it just because the chalk builds just, it just seems too easy to build a lineup. Um, for me and GPP, I kind of like that because then there can be some pivots, like going stars and scrubs and starting a lineup with um, Rory, Thomas, or DeChambeau, I think is maybe a little bit contrarian this week just because of the super chalk, um, that, which is going to happen in the middle. And of those three, I like Bryce. And one thing I've seen on, that came up on Twitter, and I was trying to find it here while you were talking. Oh, right here. Uh, Justin Ray from uh, PGA Tour. I think he's PGA Tour. Anyways, he said, no player has averaged 316-plus yards off the tee and and hit 60% of his fairways in a single PGA Tour season ever. He's currently averaging, um, this is updated now since the end of last tournament, 321 yards off the tee, number one on tour, and then his driving accuracy, which isn't great. It's 122nd on tour, but it's still over... 60% and then he's 69% greens in regulation just that consistency alone in that um, is incredible that he can average that much off the tee and still be you know above 60% in terms of his accuracy yeah I mean and and from a GPP standpoint I think you're going to get slow, slightly lower ownership on him just because yep. of the way the pricing has come in <clears throat> let me throw a couple names at you that our system so I got I, I think we agree Rose and Simpson look like great values I don't know if you're in the yep. same kind of t- Tony Finau camp as I am I, our system always going to love him he's incredibly consistent he's very good too um but i i don't know if that you kind of land with him but i want to throw out some other i think you do i want to throw out some other 
names here that I'm wondering about where you stand on them because they're kind of low. I'm, I'm ignoring Justin, uh, uh, excuse me, Jason Day and Dustin Johnson, so moving them. But I'm going to talk about another, a couple other like low 8K guys that are system likes. One is Ricky Fowler, 8,100 on FanDuel. He is, let me just go over to DraftKings real quick. Yeah, he's 10-1 on, on FanDuel, a little bit, little bit more expensive there. Right now, coming into 100% of our lineups, and I'm just not sure he's a guy. Like, I don't know if we're going to end up being contrarian on him if it ends up being 100%. There are other guys in this price range, like we said, Kucher, Woodland, um, these other guys that maybe just people are going to feel more comfortable with. But what are your thoughts on Ricky Fowler and maybe why we're bullish on him in a way that maybe you might not be? Let's just say I love the price. Um, yep. I'll start off with that. As for everything else, I I just I can't get on board yet. I love the price. I mean, 8100 that's as cheap as you're going to get Fowler. Um, I you know, I don't think you're going to see him that cheap probably for the rest of the season. He'll never dip down into that 7K range. I, I really don't think. Like, this is the lowest we've seen him since the Hero World Challenge, which was like 17 people in the field. Right. He was 8,200. We just don't see him this low. So I get why the system likes him um, just because of his consistency. I'm just not on board with him at this event. He hasn't played here since 2012, and he missed the cut pretty in pretty fashionable um, in a pretty fashionable way, finishing 108th and 110th in 2011 and 2012. He did have a top 10 way back in 2010, but with that form last week, um, he lost strokes tee to green, off the tee, around the green, and putting, so it was almost uh, uh, everywhere. He gained like 0.3 strokes on the approach. So I like seeing that the approach game is kind of there. It's not where it should be, but it's not terrible. It's that around the green game, like when he's missing greens on the, on this event specifically with thir- you know very, very small greens. His around the green game just isn't there for me, and that's kind of why he is shedding some of those, you know, where other guys are picking up pars on some of these um, smaller green courses. Like last week, he's making bogeys just because he can't get the ball, he can't get up and down. Um, and that's kind of one of his part to the game that really ugh, keeps me away from him, especially for cash games. So I guess I'm not on board with him in cash this week, personally. Uh, interesting. But I mean, I can't argue with the price. It does, and and the price is dropping because he's missed three of his last five cuts too. Uh, he missed yeah. the cut. He missed the cut exactly. by a lot last week. Uh, he was four strokes, I believe, four strokes off the cut last week. Uh, was brutal at the Honda yeah. Classic, um, and then was even par at Farmers Insurance all the way back in January. That's three of the five. He did tie for 18th at the Arnold Palmer, but I know I believe that was a limited field, right? So it's like not. Um, it was the only part. No, that was a full field. Oh, that was a full field. Okay, either you do have yep. to, but you have to go back all the way to January 16th. Uh, for him to just kind of round back into these top 10 finishes. So this is what I'm going to look yeah. at. I'm I'm trying not to be swayed too much by the recent, and recent is in quotes because obviously we have to go all the way back to, you know, January to find, like, to right. get back into his fourth, uh, his fourth contest. And I'm sort of holding out hope because some of these other players were sort of bad coming out of the gate last week, like we mentioned with Simpson and Rom and a couple other guys that we were feeling confident about. So Fowler's one that I'm going to stare at. I get I, I get what you're saying and I and look I'm as data driven as anybody else and I still get swayed by recent performance also to the point where I sometimes get worried. Another guy I have a question for you on, uh, just because he's in this eight thousand range and is interesting I think on DraftKings and I'm wondering how interesting he'll be to other people is Tyrell Hatton. Uh, not as big a sample size on the tour, but has a very strong projection in our system, 8,000, um, and kind of maybe helps you get away from Fowler if that's the way you want to go. Otherwise, you want to go over, like, you know, really cheap into the 6,000 range. We'll talk about some guys there. What are your thoughts on Hatton? Because he's another guy that's sort of not a, not an every lineup guy, like sort of like Fowler is right now. But if you start eliminating Fowler, he, he might be the guy that starts po- popping up in his place. Yeah, he's interesting for sure right there. I, I definitely like it better than Fowler myself. Um, Euro Tour regular coming over, but he's had some excellent form on the PGA Tour since the start of the season. Going back to October, he played at the CJ Cup C, uh, T6 there. That was a pretty strong field, um, sub 70 or under in all four rounds. Um, then he jumped into the HSBCs. He plays those, or sorry, the WGCs. He played the HSBC in the Mexico Championship. He was T14, T6. Then he won the Arnold Palmer Invitational right before the break, and that was on the back of a 73-74 on the weekend. Um, so you, that just tells you how good he was in the first two rounds. I think weather played a, a part in that as well. Not There wasn't very many great rounds and stuff like that. But he's had some excellent form coming into this event. Uh, he, he finished 110th. He hasn't played here since 2018. 
T29 the year before that. So kind of one good finish, one bad finish here at this event. And then just kind of looking at his stats, which are also a limited sample just because he hasn't played a whole bunch on the PGA Tour. He's number one in approach in this field. He's number one in ball striking. Um, He's up there in good drive percentage, which is a combination of greens and regulation plus when they miss, or sorry, driving percentage plus when they miss the the fairway, um, they're their greens and regulation from the rough kind of kind of combines those stats he's top 10 there um so not really there's nothing really bad i can't make a bad argument the other thing that really stands out with him are his long irons that's something that does stand out in approach shot distances breaking that down this week because of the nature of the course where you really have to placement um get three woods irons off the tee like last week you're going to have some longer approaches and we see 49 almost 50 percent of all approaches here come from 150 to 200 and Hatton is like top 10 in those stats in that area as well so he really stands out in a lot of areas I think he's I don't want to say going to be chalkier than Ricky but like right now same price range uh they're sitting at about 15 16 tags on fan share which is just outside the top 10 so I think both are going to be fairly popular anyone else like Hatton over Fowler Anyone else? Interesting. Anyone else in this eight thousand? I'll go like eighty-five. I'm gonna go right below Kapka here, right? So uh, he's eighty-six hundred. Yep. So I'll go underneath him. That's that's the group that's like Woodland, Kutcher. Uh, we already mentioned Finau, Fowler. I mentioned Hatton. Um, by the way, we talked before the podcast. Like, oh, do it. Let's do anything except for just list list all the golfers. And then what I'm doing right now, I'm just listing all the golfers. <laughs> uh, just going right going right away from the plan. <laughs> but anyone else just sort of in this range? I'll throw out like seventy five hundred and up um, to like eighty five hundred. I know it's a, I know that's a loose range, sure. but anyone else stand yeah, out to you in this group? There's two guys that really stand out, and I mean they're going to probably stand out to to everyone. They're going to be chalky, even though Kutcher didn't have a great week last week. Uh, what did he finish? Yeah, he's just outside uh, making the cut, so it wasn't too terrible, I guess you could say. But he has been like in terms of course history here, and I think course history is definitely going to lead the way in terms of ownership percentage here again this week, uh, with a mix of pricing, obviously. But Kutcher's price went down because of that missed cut. And he has been tremendous here. His average finish over the last five years is is a top 10. 10.0 exactly. Last 10 years, 16.5. Like, that's just incredible. Um, for He's played every single year as well. So that's not just like a small sample size average. That is a large sample size. He has been tremendous. This course fits him. Um, he's the kind of guy that fits that point A, point B. Good around the greens, good approach shot. He's going to be chalky. That's another guy I would definitely put into my cash builds. And then Ian Poulter jumping down about a thousand, a little less than a thousand. He's had great course history here. Top tens in two straight and top twenties in four of his last five. Another guy that fits that same mold that fits this course absolutely perfect. Both guys right now are top ten in terms of tags. I think they're going to be uh, cash games. You're looking at thirty to fifty percent ownership on those guys because of the price. They're going to be right up there with Simpson and Rose. I bet you you're going to see a lot of four man builds with Rose, Simpson, Kutcher, and Poulter. Um, I think that's going to be a very popular four man stack in cash. Um, if you want to go just below that, I'm back on Joel Damon again. What I liked about him a little bit going into last week, my buddy brought this up. Uh, I should have realized it, but I'll give him the shout-out here to Dane. Dane Chenot his name. Uh, we, you know, we were playing Outlaw during the break here, and he played a couple events on the Outlaw. He looked good um, in terms of him individually and his game, not compared to the field because obviously he was a little bit higher class than the guys in that Outlaw Tour. But he came back. He looked good last week. He finished with the top 20. He T16 last year here at this course. Um, so he kind of fits all the all the things I'm looking for as well this week. Interesting. Yeah, this is like we're in a – it's an interesting spot here because this 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 range is I think where you're going to see this 80 – you know, this low 8,000 range, not to hammer the point home, but I think this is where you're going to see the most – kind of like decision making around because there's just so many ways you can take it. You can, you can basically play. I mean, you can make a lineup. That's uh, this may, I don't know if this, uh, let me throw out a lineup to you. You tell me if you think this is going to be somewhat chalky. And then I want to throw the last guy in here. Um, and you give me your thoughts on him because I think if you do this 9,000 to 8,000 build, you're going to be left with about $7,000 left over. And you're, and you might just need to choose a guy in this range. Right. So, um, yep. this is this lineup <clears throat> on DraftKings right now. looks like this, Justin Rose, Webb Simpson. I have Finau. You can kind of, this can be a different guy, but it, um, I have Kucher, Woodland, and then it leaves you with 6900 left over for Charles Howell. Charles Howell III, sorry. I don't want to I don't want you to think I'm talking about his father or his grandfather. Charles Howell III. Um <laughs> the uh the where do you land on a guy like him because I think this is where in the end lineups will kind of 
everyone's going to probably be looking finely in this range. You're going to need to kind of drive, grab one guy in this right around 7K range. I have a couple guys that kind of fit the bill, but how's a guy that our system really likes? And I'm wondering your thoughts on him when it comes to a, sort of a cash game perspective. From a cash game perspective, I'm I'm with you on Howell at that price. I mean, I love the five guys that you mentioned before. Maybe not Fino. I don't love him. I don't hate him either. He's kind of in the middle for me this week. Uh, but Howell at that 6,900 seems like a really good value. He's not going to win you a GPP, um, with, especially at this course. He's not going to win you a GPP with a top 10 finish. I don't even think he's going to be in the range of a top 20 finish. I think he can make the cut, and he has done that at this course fairly consistently. Um, as well as he's been fairly consistent making cuts without much upside going back. He had some upside, you know, in January at a T12 at the Sony, and then back in November and October he had uh, T10s, T20s at CJ Cup, Zozo, OHL. So he had some good finishes there. But in terms of this field, I think he's a, he's a good cash play. Um, his around the green game is what stands out. His approach games kind of like a roller coaster ride with him, but his around the green game is what really stands out. He's gained strokes around the green in seven eight of his last nine events that have tracked the strokes gain stats um that's something that i'm really really looking at along with approach this week so if he i'm looking for a guy maybe that doesn't fit all those stats that i'm looking at this week or maybe all the form things or all the course history stuff but if he can you know hit on three or four of those things which charles howell does i think he's a solid pick if he was mid sevens i'd probably think about it let me go back because i kind of assumed something about Finau, but now you're saying that you're not so you're you're not i know this is a guy that i've our system just absolutely just wants to just take home Mary, have him, you know, birth out other every uh, week. other golfers every week. I kind of get it, but I'm also looking back and I have a look at recent stats. Uh, if I'm just kind of make that case, five of the last 15 tournaments, he's finished top 20, um, which, you know, you kind of like to see that missed. I think only missed one cut in that time um, has just been incredibly consistent. Yep. I missed two cuts in that time. Sorry, two cuts out of the last uh, as, as last eleven. Um, you know, did finish twenty third last week. Uh, was fairly consistent without just having a, a singularly great round. Why not? Why maybe not put him in that same group as the other guys we mentioned, like Huchar, Poulter, like that? Like, what what makes him maybe fall? I mean, it could just be a feel thing. I just, I'm fine with you saying that. By the way, I think golf operates just a little differently than some of these other sports. But why is it that maybe? I'm a, we are a little more bullish on him, but then that's not a name that kind of rings out for you. Yep, for sure. Um, I don't want to say that I hate him. Um, you've kind of got me on him a bit. Looking at his consistency, I mean, you are dead on in terms of why the system likes him. I 100% agree there. Uh, even the around the green game's been awesome. And when his wedges are on, he's gaining five-plus strokes on the field. He... Just it, it's more of the range, I guess. Um, I lean Kutcher and Hatton a little bit more than Finau and Ricky Fowler, and I'm just looking at driving accuracy for Finau right now. He's 124th on my sheet in terms of driving accuracy. I know that isn't an and all be all, but we see Kutcher at 16th and Terrell Hatton at 31. Um, they're more guys that I see on this type of course who are going to place the ball maybe a little bit better and have a better chance. Um, of putting together those low scores where I think Fino can maybe gives you a little bit more variance in terms of this kind of course setup. If it was more, I know he's not exactly a bomber, um, kind of fits that role, I guess you could say, just kind of his average driving distance and stuff. But just it's more this course type, and I prefer Kutcher and Hatton on this course type a little bit more than Fino, but definitely don't hate Fino. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I think, like I said, like this is where you are probably splitting hairs around. Yes, you know, consistency versus just skills that bring the, skills you bring to the table for this speci- for a specific event, right? So I think yep. um, I, that's why I'm fine, kind of like talking it out because for me, I'm mostly just going to trust the numbers because that that's where I kind of land. But I yep. get that there's, I get that there's little differences around, you know around just you know course style and what exactly your strengths play to and especially when we're we're, i get like i said we're really splitting hairs in the in this one specific DraftKings range i want to move over to fanduel real quick do you think this is a good week well i'm not really gonna move over to fanduel in general we're gonna still talk about some other golfers i do want to talk about some bets we're gonna talk about showdown here as well so we have a couple other topics we definitely want to hit on i kind of feel like this is a great week for a natural hedge on the golfers that you root for. So hear me out and this this makes sense okay. to you. Because of the pricing um, sort of softness on DraftKings, on FanDuel, we're getting 
a much different build. We're actually getting a McElroy Justin Thomas build over here. Yeah. Right? There's some of the same, some of the same names are here, like Finau and Fowler are kind of hanging around in the 10,000 range. But do you think this is a nice week because of the pricing inconsistency between the two sites to maybe say, hey, I'm going to get my Justin Rose Webb Simpson shares over on DraftKings, but maybe I'll get my Rory and Thomas shares over on FanDuel where I can maybe buy on the lower end. Does that, does that, kind of system maybe makes sense for you on a week where one site seems to have gone one direction and FanDuel's pricing is not too dissimilar from what we saw last week. Yeah, 100%. I, I see the difference in builds for sure. And a lot of it, um, like last week we had Jim Furyk at 7000 which was minimum price. Oh, yeah. that Pretty helped. chalky too in cash, like 55% or something on FanDuel. He was cash. very chalky. Was, yeah. But I agree with you. Um, you know, get into, I would probably, most of my builds on FanDuel this week are going to be two of McElroy, Thomas, and DeChambeau. Um, mm-hmm. And then maybe one of the guys in that mid-K range, or that mid-8K range to low-9K range that we talked about on DK. And then kind of jumping down, like, if you want to go real low, two guys that really stand out to me if you're going to go that build, um, Cameron Tringali and Doc Redman. First of all, Tringali, he hasn't played here since 2015. He's actually missed the cut in all three times he's been here. Um, but, I mean, that's five years ago uh, is the last time he's played here. So I'm not really looking at course history from that one. I'm looking at the $7,100 price tag. His consistency this season, he's averaging, like his last 10 events, he's averaging a finish of right around 42.3. I think he's, he hasn't missed any cuts in that time. Um, maybe the T67, um, yeah, that would have been a missed cut. Um, but overall, what... Just kind of looking at his statistics here. And his approach game is what really stands out. I think that's where he gets a lot of his. And then kind of looking at a little bit shorter-term stats model, he really stands out there as well. Yeah, his last two events, the Honda and the Genesis, before the break, he gained almost 11 strokes on approach. And he is very consistent in gaining strokes around the green. And a pretty darn good putter. I would say above average for sure to very good putter. Yeah, Tringali, Redmond, I think there's Carlos Ortiz is in here. There's just a group of these guys in the $7,000 range I think you can kind of take a stab at. I don't think they're going to totally kill you, especially if you're looking to get by really at that top end with Rory Thomas. Yep. Uh, and Luke Donald's another one it. that stands out before we move yeah, exa- on. Yeah, that's a, right. Yeah, Luke Donald, not as big of a sample size on him, but in general – there are guys in you know where they're you know where we talked about on DraftKings the the values maybe in that eight eighty eight thousand to nine thousand dollar range. I do think there's plenty of seven thousand dollar values to be had uh, in on Fanduel this week where you know building lineups isn't exactly as easy and it offers that nice natural hedging that you can get when you just don't have to roster all of the same golfers. But again, all these golfers have value because it's not just like one. There's not just like one binary guy. Like if you have this guy, you win or lose. That's just not how golf works on a, on a DFS standpoint. Exactly. Let's finish this off with talking about some bets and talk a little showdown. Uh, maybe some weather. We have a couple of things that we want to hit on here. Let's talk about showdown first. Okay. Uh, this has become a little bit more popular. Definitely hugely popular on Sunday as people work to get some sweats in uh, on those one day events do you have a specific showdown strategy that you take that might be a little different than just the classic DraftKings and FanDuel builds and and I'll say too um, you know from DraftKings perspective just as a note with showdown it's there's no win points for the first three rounds so it's just you know sort of just how you did as a golfer uh, you know you know better par birdies and and whatnot Uh, but then on the final day uh, the win points do end up mattering and I saw some actually just some crazy value in the showdown last week in terms of just like you know expected win points from some of these guys. But do you have a spe- uh, specific strategy you take when it comes to showdown golf that maybe might be a little different than just your standard classic DraftKings build? Yeah, totally. I'm not looking so much for like we we've spent a lot of time talking about consistency um, in terms of making cuts and guys that you know they just kind of get you through the cut and they can really help out your lineups in terms of cash in in cash games double ups 50 50s what have you Um, but showdown is a completely different animal you're looking at just raw points in the first three rounds of your pars your birdies um, bogeys obviously minus double bogeys minus so you're really looking for guys that get birdies you don't i'd rather have a guy that gets uh 
let's say six birdies and three bogeys than a guy that just goes the whole round all pars like a a bogey free round all pars is not what we're looking for in showdown we're looking for guys that can get birdies we don't care if they make a couple bogeys you don't want them to blow up obviously and get doubles and stuff like that but in terms of uh, scoring you want guys that are going to get a lot of birdies so I definitely construct my lineups a little bit different there when I change my model on my sheet I take like birdie and better percentage um, from like 20 percent to like almost 40 um and sometimes even up towards 40 or 50 percent and then the stats in my model really start going up to um you know a lot more weight towards the stat side of things and then in terms of form i'm looking at more of your DraftKings form versus average finish so that's kind of the the things that i adjust in my model in terms of showdown and then you mentioned it for the final round that's huge is looking at um, win percentage, you know, projected win percentage for some players that are maybe down the leaderboard. And because you get finish points, uh, a lot of people are looking at um, maybe taking the guy that's in first. First of all, the guy in first place, if he's got a three or four stroke lead, is not going to be taking a ton of risks on Sunday trying to, you know, go for the green in two or or risks like that. He's going to play it fairly safe until maybe someone gets close to him um, on the leaderboard. Whereas those guys that are three, four, or five strokes behind him, they're pushing for birdie every single hole. They're playing a lot more aggressive. The upside for those guys is huge. So if you get a guy that's maybe four strokes back, three strokes back, he's got a good win percentage. That's a guy that I'm definitely targeting in round four, maybe much more so than the leader who's got that uh, little bit of a cushion. Right, and especially, too, if the if the pricing is a, is built slightly on expected win shares and yep. you can grab someone that's in striking range that the algorithm didn't totally pick up. Ber- actually, Berger was a guy who stood out like this last week. He was, um, he was within striking distance, but he wasn't totally there and the price wasn't, I don't think even in the top five at that point. So that right there, it's like, okay, well, he's, he's a few strokes away from picking up a massive amount of points. And by the way, the way he's going to pick up those points is by birdies. Right. And so like you can kind yep. of double up on your points that way. So I thought there was definite win point. There was definitely some win share inconsistencies last week in terms of that final showdown. I kind of showed up just a little too late to fully exploit it, but um, it was something I kind of made note of about how the pricing was, the pricing wasn't correct because remember too last week and maybe this is part of the problem there was a complete log jam at the top with great golfers right <laughs> like there was mm-hmm. um there was just like sort of a who's who uh, relatively speaking for for your random golf tournament a who's who of names that were within you know striking distance of being able to win going into sunday which made for some really interesting ways yep. that you could sort of maybe pivot away and find and find some value let's finish this off any uh, oh no sorry we want to talk talk about weather and then we'll talk about bets. What, what, what any weather stuff you're looking at uh, going into this week? Yeah, weather. That's another thing I wanted to mention was showdown. I was mentioned to you offline. If I see that there's going to be like a wind split possibly um, where the morning wave either has wind and the afternoon wave has much less wind or vice versa, that's a that's a sign for me and I jump in big time into showdown this week. Not so much. Um, It's pretty looking like we're about mid-70s to mid-80s all four days of the tournament. The only real split, I guess, would be Thursday. Um, The early wave is looking at like almost zero wind, um, 73 to 80 temperatures, sunny, awesome weather. And then by the afternoon, you're looking at like 9 to 12, 13 mile an hour winds. Not really a big deal at all. I'm not going to look at any splits whatsoever um, in terms of weather. It just looks like a great week uh, for golf and uh, weather for golf. So, um, yeah, let's move on to bets. All right, fi- finishing off with some bets. Um, I like to kind of bet a little bit on the wind, but kind of focus a little bit more on top 10s, top 20s. I think you can find plenty of value, especially around some consistency around some of these golfers that you can kind of think you can sneak into, uh, into some of these, you know, maybe not have to put it all on a top finish, but kind of try to build almost like a betting lineup of guys that might be just mispriced when it comes to overall relative odds. And those odds usually translate pretty much down the line between win to top 10 to top 20. Any guys that stand out to you here uh, from any books in particular? I mean, I have some consensus lines that, that we're looking at uh, just in general, but there are any bets that kind of stand out to you as, as values. And they could be guys that we talked about already uh, that just are, are coming off at, at nice values or, or just guys we haven't mentioned at all. I mean, I can't get away from from Brooks. I know his number has dropped a little bit. I know he doesn't exactly fit the course, but seeing Brooks Kepka at plus thirty five hundred, it just seems like yep. a value for me. I I just think that's an easy plug and play. Even if you only want to go half a unit, I mean, you don't got to go lots on him. I 
Um, I, I definitely have other guys who I think are more favorited to win this event. This is just more of a value bet for me because, I mean, we're not going to see him plus 3,500, I don't think, for the rest of the year. I'd be pretty shocked if we do. Um, in terms of, you know, outright wins, I don't see a whole bunch. Um, I'm kind of like you. Most weeks I'll try and bet, like, at least three outrights, um, and I try and stick within, you know, that plus or plus 2,000 to plus 4,000 range uh, for those three guys. Um, some weeks I'll kind of reach out a little bit further. Probably not this event. Burger would have been a good one last week, but that's where that live betting comes in for sure. Um, I'll definitely do that. But pre-event, I'll try and maybe grab one or two or three possibly long shots kind of in that uh, 50 to 1, even going outwards towards that 100 to 1 range. I'm not doing that so much this week just because of the loaded field. I don't think there's that many guys that have a chance to outright win this event. But like you, you like the top 10s. I like the top 20s. And I kind of treat that more like, you know, in terms of, if you think of DFS in comparison, uh, cash games versus GPP. So I use the outrights as like your GPP can win lots for a little, or you can get into those top 20s. And you're looking at, um, I don't look at guys that are kind of in that plus 175, plus 225. I'm looking at like a little bit more value, uh, like a three to one, four to one top 20 bets. So um, a few guys that stand out there for me, are geez i lost my list here i guess i'll jump to you while i try and find my list here of these top 20s that i had written down which top 10s are you looking at this week i actually mostly went top 20s this week because i found that that's where i was able to just extract um again it's not sexy you're looking at like you know plus 300s and stuff like that to kind of get there plus 220s stuff like that um i did kind of these these are the ones i have in right now um from for top 20 finishes i have ricky fowler at plus 220 to finish in that top 20 i think that's a good value of seeing with female yeah. plus 220 uh I, i'm right with Ian brooks at plus 175 to finish in that top 20 i think that he's coming off a tremendous value webb simpson at plus 150 i like that um and i do have actually pl- the only plus to win i have webb simpson at plus 2800 to win this event as well because i think you're just getting tremendous value about where he lands um just yeah. in terms of his overall skill i think he just took way too much of a hit from missing that cut last week and my one random uh sort of like non-sexy guy here is charles Howell the third at plus 700 to finish in that top 20 if he can sneak in by playing it safe uh, i like that right. at plus 700 so that's kind of where i ended i'm not i'm going i'm, I'm these these loaded fields in general, I just don't think I love the outrights as much just because this these are just powerhouse groups, and I don't think you're getting tremendous value on the wins because of just sort of how good the rest of the group is. But, it, you know, hedging on that, pl- that top 10, top 20 feels like it makes a lot of sense to me, and I do think some of these guys took unnecessary hits based on just simply one week back and maybe some public betting around being frustrated around some of the guys who didn't win last week when they thought they should have, and just kind of guys who I'm not calling it came out of nowhere because these got all the guys that were at the top of that are known golfers. It was just not the it was not the group that was expected when you looked at this loaded field, if that makes sense. So that's kind of where I landed on my top tens and top twenties. Yeah, I'm with you on Brooks, and even going below that plus two hundred. I mean, if you take Brooks at plus one seventy five, like you said, you put just twenty dollars on him. I mean, you're returning fifty five dollars um, for a top twenty from Brooks Kopka. That that's a very solid bet. I'm I'm on the exact same page with Matt Kutcher, same price plus one seventy five top twenty, and then one guy going out a little bit deeper that I really like is uh, Jason Kokrak. Um, we didn't talk about him for DFS. He's going to be in there as well. I don't think he's going to be high owned because you've got uh, Tyrrell Hatton, Fowler, Finau, Kutcher, Woodland just above him in price range. But going to the bet side of things, he's got four top 20s in his last six events at this course. And then he's got back-to-back top 20s coming into this event. Um, that And then statistics-wise... You want to look at that a little bit. I mean, he's 23rd in ball striking in this field as well. So he's got the distance. He's not great on accuracy, but again, his proximity is way up there. He's top 30 in proximity, top 20 in fairway proximity. So um, that's definitely a guy at plus 300 I'm going to hammer for top 20s. That's an excellent bet. I mean, if you were to put 20 on Jason Kokrak plus 300, you're looking at an $80 return. I really like that for someone that has you know, consistently put up top 20s at this course and has top 20s in his form, his recent form coming in. Yeah, uh, I think there's a lot, like I said, I think there's plenty of value here. I think we can be all over the map in terms of just, you know, different books, not only just different books, but just different um, places to play. We've already mentioned the difference between DraftKings and FanDuel this week. We already noticed that some books are kind of in places uh, or, you know, in just different places than others uh, in terms of, 
you know, where they're landing in terms of their odds. Actually, one other guy yeah. I want to throw out there, um, and maybe we can get out on this because um, this is actually a guy that's coming in to sort of like sort of tremendous value, uh, maybe relative to the field. Uh, Maverick, talk to me. Any thoughts on Maverick McNeely? Because this is a guy that just actually stood out to me. I was I was looking at the model about where maybe the longest odds are going to be um, in terms of guys who can end up possibly sneaking into this. Any thoughts on Maverick? Not a name I thought I'd be saying here. Uh, Maverick McNeely leading. It's into fun this to say. It's yeah. definitely fun to say. That's for sure. No, he definitely stands out. Um, I can't believe we didn't mention him in DFS. He's 24th in my model, and at 7,100, I think that's an excellent value. I mean, I bet you he stands out in the DFSR system just because in terms of his consistency, he's only missed one cut going back to uh, September 22nd at the Sanderson last year. So uh, he's just consistently making cuts. He's got top 20s in three of his last five events, just just outside the top 20 by, I believe, two strokes last week at the Charles Schwab. Um, in terms of top 20, his price right now is plus 600. I, yeah. I love that price uh, for top 20. I think you could even, um, just looking at you know some of the other, depending on what books you're on, uh, what they allow, I don't mind him even for an outright. Um, you're, I think you're looking at around 140 to 1. I would probably go very, very small in terms of what the amount of bet I would put on him as an outright, but I'm definitely on board as a top 20 plus 600. That's awesome value. Yeah, I, I just, I just. I just put that in at 600 plus 600 because I had I just that was one that kind of ended up standing out. Real quick about Maverick McNeely, we'll end it on this. Uh, we talked about Zach Johnson, Charles Howell. He is the same price as those guys on DraftKings. Do you, does, is he a guy that actually looks better than you, better to you yes. than those other guys that we just mentioned? Interesting. Okay, hundred um, yeah. percent. He's got more upside. I look at the floor as very similar as those other guys that we mentioned in this price range. I believe the upside is more. Like he was in. Top 15s at the Farmers, AT&T Pro-Am, and Honda. Those are all pretty damn good fields um, that he's finished very well at. 100%. Awesome. I won't have him 100%. I like him. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that makes sense. Yeah, I, yeah, hundred percent can mean different things depending on uh, the context it's used. <laughs> the context. All right, bud. I think we, co- I, I think we covered it. DFSR.com is the site. Go over and check out Chris's article. He'll be up on the RBC Heritage. He's. Tw- uh, tweeting about this stuff all the time as well. Um, if you go sign up for a, right now, I believe it's a free membership until we have some of the major sports coming back. So if you go to dfsr.com slash deals, you can get in on that. The chat room will be popping off. I'll be in there all weekend talking more golf uh, as well. Now that I'm fully in on golf and don't, I'm willing to just kind of ignore my family about everything else. Um, so there's been another nice new addition to the family is just watching golf all weekend. Go check out <laughs> all that stuff. Thanks for listening, bud. We'll be back next week. We're talking more golf, hopefully with some winners in our pockets. Let's get it, everyone.